22 and a half years is not enough. 22 and a half years is not enough for Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin would be out of jail. I don't I don't have all the I don't have all the laws in in Minnesota, but he'll be out of jail in, in 15 years. 22 and a half years is not enough. You're listening to the Lance J Radio Network. I'm not I'm not very thrilled. 22 and a half years, it's improvement on zero years. Sometimes not even getting fired. But 22 and a half years, I, I repeat for the fourth time, is not enough. We saw, and this isn't a political issue. This isn't a red state, blue state issue. This isn't even, to me, completely a black and white issue. Nobody, I don't care who you are, I keep reading, and I've got to stop banging my head against the wall. I've got to stop reading some of these websites that, that I actually get material for the show from, but... Going over to the Fox News page. And I'm not saying that these comments reflect everybody who's a Republican or reflect everybody who even is a part of the Fox News Breitbart crowd. I think they probably more reflect the QA non crowd and getting into the OA and N crowd and the Newsmax crowd. But people keep saying that that George Floyd Deserve to die because he passed a counterfeit $20 bill and that he would have died from the toxicity of fentanyl poisoning and that had he complied and not been such a reprehensible human being who was a felon, he was a bad father, a felon, a bad person, put a gun on a pregnant woman, passed a counterfeit $20 bill. The world is a better place that George Floyd is no longer with us. I thought that this was the Constitution crowd. I'm not even, I'm not even suggesting that George Floyd was a bastion of human wealth and a pillar of society. I'm not suggesting that. There are a lot of people that have struggled with with substance abuse, that have made mistakes, that have made mistakes as a father. It's, it's People are so judgmental. I'm sure that everyone on the Fox News website and the various websites and people making commentary, I'm sure that you're perfect. I'm sure that you've never used drugs. I'm sure that you're a perfect father or mother. I'm sure that you've never made a mistake in your entire life. But let's say let's say that let's say that this guy was Bin Laden. Let's say that George Floyd was Bin freaking Laden. I bet you that the military, the military forces and our 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 protectors the boys in camo, I bet you they wouldn't have kneeled on Bin Laden's neck for almost 10 minutes. And that's the part that, that really that really bothers me is that there's so many people in society that think, that think that this is a correct way to handle a human being who was in cuffs, on the ground, not a threat. Yes, he had fought with police from, from what I saw. He had resisted arrest, definitely. 
Was he a great person? That's debatable. I don't think that over a $20 bill, it's worthy to kill someone. I don't think that that's a, an offense that, that, that leads to public execution. Even Saddam Hussein and these dictators, people that they drag out of holes, they get some level of rights before their public execution. What we saw with George Floyd was a public execution. Thank God that this young queen filmed it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been public. Except to the people that happened to be on that street in Minneapolis on that fateful day. People try to politicize. If you notice, I'm not talking about the, the, the agenda of Republicans versus Democrats. I don't really care about any of that. No human being. Dylan Roof killed nine people. I would be just as furious if someone had choked him out on the sidewalk after he killed nine people in a racist rage. People have rights. People have due process. And Derek Chauvin had his due process. Now the people are complaining and saying that there was a juror that, that wore a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Now would those same people be complaining if that juror was wearing a Make America Great red hat? Would those jurors be okay if they were Trump supporters versus BLM supporters? I don't know if the guy just because he's wearing a T-shirt. See, a lot of people wearing T-shirts that OAN in T-shirts. I'm a sports guy. Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State had an OAN T-shirt on. He was ripped for it. I thought that that was dumb. If he wants to support, if that's his political beliefs, he has a right to his political beliefs. His political beliefs shouldn't prevent him from coaching at Oklahoma State. Rather, I agree with them or rather I abhor them. Now, he might have some issues with some of his players, but he's the coach. He's a, he's the he's the authority. He's the law in that particular case in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Mike Gundy is the law. But Derek Chauvin went through that process, and as African Americans, we were worried. I was worried that he was even going to get convicted guilty. And if he was convicted guilty, I was worried that he was going to get the least possible amount of convictions, meaning that he would have the lowest sentence. Well, he's convicted guilty on all three counts, as he should have been. I don't think that 22 and a half years is enough for the crime that he committed. And not only the crime that he committed, but you do understand that all of the rioting, that's because of Derek Chauvin. And not because of George Floyd. George Floyd resisted arrest. George Floyd may or may not have cast, uh, passed a, a $20 bill that was, that was counterfeit. But had he just been arrested, because he was, he was already in cuffs, right? He was on the ground in cuffs. Had they just let him up at the three-minute mark, put him in the car, taken him to jail, perhaps George Floyd had enough fentanyl in his system to, and, and other drugs in his system, Maybe he expires from that. Or more likely, he probably goes to jail. He probably gets out of jail. He probably goes back about his business. Unfortunately, this gentleman was struggling with a lot of things that may have ultimately led to his demise. Derek Chauvin goes back 
to being a policeman. And I don't want to say everybody lives happily ever after, but you don't have this terrible stain on Americana and you don't have these, these series of riots that subsequently happened during a global pandemic where people are not only rioting, but passing COVID from person to person like musical chairs. It's good to see some justice. It's good to see that we're moving away from no conviction at all. Like in the Rodney King case, like in many other cases where people have been had the brakes beaten off of them or worse. People getting shot by police from 30 feet, 40, 50 feet away. And those policemen were just hit with a slap of the wrist or any. And then people set up a GoFundMe to make up for any time that they lost or any money they lost or they're held as heroes. You should see the comments about Ahmad Arbery and those two inbreds that killed him. And how they're held as heroes. You should get to kill someone because they're poking around looking at houses in the wrong neighborhood. That should be lethal. That is that gives you the right to stand your ground, quote unquote, and, and use lethal force. So I may see some progress in the justice system. But 22 and a half years isn't enough. This guy should get life in prison. I think the max sentence was 30. And I don't know all the laws, so I'm not going to pretend to be a lawyer or someone who's an expert on criminal law in Minnesota. But this guy should have got the max sentence. Not only did he kneel, he basically posed for pictures. Basically did like Hulkamania with the, with the arm behind the ear. He looked like he was enjoying the sadistic torture and murder of George Floyd. And regardless of what type of person George Floyd was, there was no justification. Like I said, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that to bin Laden. You wouldn't do that to Saddam Hussein. You wouldn't do that to, to some of these uh, leaders that have been overthrown in Uganda and Central Africa and the Congo and Ethiopia and some of these places where there are dictatorships. You wouldn't do this to Kim Jong-un. You wouldn't kneel, if we rolled the tanks into North Korea, you wouldn't kneel on Kim Jong-un's neck in a town square in Pwang, I, don't, I can't pronounce it, but the, but the capital of North Korea, whatever it is, whatever, however it's pronounced, it's me being an ignorant American. You would not treat someone like this. You would not kneel on a dog's neck. When Michael Vick did heinous things to animals, went to jail, I don't think he should have gone to jail, but definitely should have been punished definitely should have lost money definitely should have lost reputation you wouldn't treat dogs like you treated george floyd and there's such a cohort of individuals that not only support the way that george floyd's life ended but they say things the worst comments that i've seen i know they're i know that they're professional internet trolls and there are people that aren't really reflective. But the worst comments that I saw is George Floyd's family got $27 million. A lot of people posting George Floyd's, George Floyd's family wouldn't trade his life for the $27 million. Dehumanization of black people. Dehumanization of black men. 
perpetuating the concept that black men especially are subhuman animals equivalent to backing over your dog in the driveway or hitting a deer on the highway or hitting a moose on the highway. You want to hit a moose. I lived in Pacific Northwest. You hit a moose, it's, it's going to be housework for you. And so I'm, I'm conflicted. I'm, I'm glad that there was some justice for, for Mr. Floyd and his, and his family. It doesn't matter how many years you put Derek Chauvin in jail. It's not going to bring George Floyd back to his family. But at the end of the day, you choke someone out for fun unnecessarily on camera. How much is a black man's life worth? How much justice does a black man get for being brutalized unnecessarily? And when do we, what message does that send to police? Now, I've, I have Operation Song coming on later in the week. I'm, I'm going to talk about my affinity for, for military people. I'm a big fan of police. I get ripped by my friends for supporting police all the time. When the policemen in my neighborhood in Hendersonville drive by, I salute them. I talk to them. I say, thank you for your service. I go to a restaurant. I see a lot of, uh, a lot of policemen who, who cohort at a restaurant that I frequent. I always say, I appreciate what you've done. As a black man, I'm supporting you because the climate says that all of you hate people that look like me and you want to brutalize and hang and torture people that look like me. And I'm against that narrative. I don't support that narrative. I support our boys in blue. When you have, when you, when you have scum that chooses to use that badge to brutalize people for whatever reason, whether they're racist whether they just have hate in their heart, whether they're bullies and lives are lost, I believe ultimately that you have to send a message that that won't be tolerated and you give people the maximum sentence. And when you give people the maximum sentence, when people know that if they do something like that, they'll never see the light of day again, they'll never hold their children again, they're less likely to pull the trigger. In this case, actually choke someone to death on national television. Lance J. Show. <laughs> Paragon, Paragon 7, Seven Studios. Studios. Mr. McDowell. What is it? Sir, I was wondering, did you happen to catch the professional football contest on television last night? No, I didn't. Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. It was a most ripping victory. Son, I'm just going to tell you this one time. Yes, sir. You want to keep working here. Stay off the drugs. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. Paid off like the assassin, now I'm blasting, I'm taking over. Stick you for your blue Range Rover. I told you, Rampage, your real life soldier. Been in the game since the age of 13. James Lewis. Dwelling south of the Hudson, New Jerusalem in seclusion. Uh, Using fake pseudonyms, yeah. I'm true. Bad, my travels like a schizo with two tabs with do-rags hanging from my pocket. Huh. What, boy? You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. 
At Industrious, we don't want anything to get between you and your great day. That's why our private offices and suites come with everything you need to safely connect with your teammates in person or over Zoom so you can make every day a great one. Go to industriousoffice.com. Enjoy a great day at Industrious on us when you book a tour at industriousoffice.com. You don't know me. Probably never will. But I need you to do something for me. Something that could literally change everything. You'll never get a thank you card. And yet, I need you to do it. And if that weren't enough, I need you to do it as soon as you are able to. If you do this for me, I'll do it for you. And for every single person you love. Deal? This is our shot to leave COVID behind. Second time renaissance, it's blood orange leaking clementine, never mind You cut corners, speak with seven times, metatron I'm the prince of the world, the youth The legend was cool, my temperature swelled till it burned the roof Digging gel because I blow it back too, I was burned to move When were you burning to learn the roof? Digging hell because they always act rude, they say the table is set back Back on the last day show, I'm really feeling, I, I'm, I'm a big Griselda aficionado and this this new album by 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 Mock Hami with the hyphen Pray for Haiti. This thing this thing is some fire. Planned as the the blockchain song. Now I'm I'm a big fan of West Side Gun, Conway the Machine. Like I, I pretty much consume everything Griselda, but but you need to check out the the Pray for Haiti album. I'm I'm a big fan. Basically, and I might take some heat for saying this. Mock Hami, I think, is a little bit better of a lyricist than West Side Gun. West Side Gun's one of the probably best storyteller currently in the game right now, but 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 Mock has a little bit more of a traditional delivery. But it's very clear that West Side Gun produced this album because these are West Side Gun beats. And West Side Gun, if you're a boom bap hip hop aficionado you're not going to find better beats than what west side gun does and you got derringer that's doing the production and you have conductor but the whole griselda movement man is is just fire west side gun is probably my favorite artist out right now but you got conway the machine you got benny the butcher you got mock you got um stove god stove god cooks you got you got a lot of um fantastic people that that are a part of this movement i wanted to talk about something a little bit different you know we we do a lot of corporate stuff and we're getting shout out to everybody whether it's rise association whether it's our our sponsors we're getting a lot of love on the corporate side and we appreciate that and not only you know i think what we're doing with the show is pretty cool because we talk hip hop, we talk sports. That's that's where we live. That's where the show was built. But we got into the health cast. And we're getting some of the best people to come on and talk healthcare. Next week, we we actually have Marcus Whitney coming on. And he's gonna do an hour with us and talk about and Marcus Whitney is from Jumpstart Nova. 
which is a healthcare hedge fund that really invests in black owned businesses here in Nashville. And, and it's, it's the hedge fund. I think it's 20, 25 million, $30 million, some, some very large eight figure number. And Marcus and Marcus Whitney also has a stake of ownership in Nashville's MLS soccer team. So that's going to be a very compelling conversation. We're starting to really get great interviews for people in, in the industry, but I like talking about, I'm a corporate guy at the end of the day before I went out and struck out on my own business. I was vice president at blue cross and an executive in that system for, for many years. And a young guy, a young black, big, tall, bald guy that wears a size 48 or 50 coat. So that's different. Not a lot of guys that look like me. I've dealt with every, every coded, veiled, racist language. I've had people tell me that I got my job for affirmative action. I've had people question my work ethic. Um, I've had subordinates. The, 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 the worst thing that I dealt with when I was running a team, we were, we were, this is before, this is right when COVID hit. And I was, I was actually on my way to launching my own business. And I'd already made an agreement. I'd already, I'd already announced the final date when I'd be leaving Blue Cross. But I was going to be there until the end of May and doing the job. And then COVID hit. That was very difficult. None of us were prepared for COVID. We weren't prepared to Zoom at home. But I had a really, really nice house in Phoenix and I had a pool. And when you're leaving, you know, kind of get senioritis. I didn't really give a bleep anymore. So I would, I would take calls on zoom from right where my pool was. Sometimes I'd be in the pool. A lot of times I'd be sitting in front of the pool, but I remember I had coworkers that were blown away that I had a nice pool. And they're like, man, James, you have a really nice house. Like that's an awesome pool. And the first time someone said, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, appreciate it. Ha ha ha. But it's like, Oh, James, this is so nice. Like, how are you able to live in such a nice house? And I'm like, yo, you work for me. MFR. I'm your boss. You're my subordinate. I hired you. I created your position. I wrote the JD for your position. Let me talk it down to me. What do you expect me to live in the projects? I'm a vice president. I'm supposed to live in a nicer house than you. I'm supposed to drive a nicer car than you. And that used to bother me. I didn't say that, but that's what, what I was thinking. But that's what I had to deal with. But I wanted to show some love to the sisters because well, a big reoccurring theme is black hair in the workplace. Now, I've worked with some really talented women. I always, I'm a champion for women and women's salaries. Women are underpaid. Black women are especially underpaid in corporate America. But the hair, so I'm reading it from birdie.com, B-Y-R-D-I-E.com. As an article says, uh, just the title says, it's talking about the struggle with black women and their hair in the workplace. Changing our hair can mean dealing with the blank stares, which is true, mindless questions and microaggressions in the workplace from non-black peers. Like when you walk in with natural hair and everyone awkwardly avoids eye contact. I've seen that with my own eyes. This reality is especially heightened when you work in corporate America, a historically white patriarchal space full of people who often look the exact same 
Now, this is Harvard Business Review. This isn't Lance J and his clickbait opinions. As of 2009, there are only three black CEOs in Fortune 500 companies in the article. This is an older article. I know that there have been some more black CEOs recently, so there's a little bit more diversity. Now, they brought in several women to talk about their experiences. So I'm going to start. This young lady's name is Aisha, which is not necessarily a name. She's a financial controller. So she's basically the next person or CFO of the company. This is her experience. I could definitely say I've come a long way when it comes to being comfortable wearing my natural hair in a corporate setting. I was always afraid of how my coworkers would perceive me and the reactions I would get in previous jobs. I would never wear my wear, wear my hair out in its natural state out of fear. I knew it would cause a problem or be a topic of discussion at the workplace. Even though this was never verbally discussed with me, I just knew. Additionally, I think because I never tried to wear it out, others felt and sometimes had a power over me to make me feel that I wasn't accepted. I'm reading Ashley's experience. She's a dental administrator. These are all sisters, highly degreed. I love and I, and I bang on this all the time. Yeah, I was talking earlier about the comments that I read about Derek Chauvin and how he really did the world a favor by killing George Floyd because George Floyd, George Floyd was an animal. Then in those type of chat rooms and stuff, it always goes to, well, you know that black people have less IQ. Black, black people are, are less intelligent. They're not just whites, but everybody. Black people are of lower intelligence. And I find that funny because... I think that people that are in pockets of poverty anywhere are going to score poorly on IQ tests and going to score poorly in academics because people that grew up in poverty and people that grew up with bad schools, they didn't really have a place to go and learn a lot of stuff. But what about these ladies that are kind of smarter than you? What is, what is the, what is the, what is the, the bell curve say about people like myself, these ladies here, people that are vice presidents, CEOs, business owners, all of those things. When someone's smarter than you, what's the excuse then? If you had a 400 year head start on someone and they're smarter than you, that's gotta make you feel pretty stupid. So then you get into these type of things. Ashley says, this is only my second year working with my current company in corporate America as a whole. I've been a kinky, Naturally haired girl from the very beginning. I do get the occasional, how do you get your hair like that? And wow, you changed your hair again. It happens every time I, I decide to show up with box braids. It's nothing. I can't roll my eyes about it and ignore. Another story, Stephanie, an account executive. During my time in HR and higher education, I've had a fairly unique experience. Two black women, a VP and director, wore their natural hair almost daily. Seeing them be so self-assured in positions of power made it easier for me to embrace my own hair in the workplace. I'm normalizing a lot of discussions on this show. We're talking about healthcare. We're talking about mental health. I'm going to normalize this discussion too. I mean, we're going to have to get a panel of people because I see this. I see people encouraged not to wear their natural hair. I had a boss once that would ask me about black women and why, and, and tried to understand how black women got their hair permed 
It's a major part of the corporate existence, and it's completely unacceptable. Lance J Show. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. to do something for me. Something that could literally change everything. You'll never get a thank you card. And yet, I need you to do it. And if that weren't enough, I need you to do it as soon as you are able to. If you do this for me, I'll do it for you. And for every single person you love. Deal? This is our shot to leave COVID behind. 